This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos twitter.com forward slash ahpodcast if you'd like to follow our twitter feed you can also check out my videos on youtube under the name aussie federal control alternatively all social media links can be found on the website everyone knows i love my listeners but i've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners if you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show go to the website and click on the donate button on the right hand side of the main page and show your support which is always appreciated that helps us keeps the lights on in this joint and pay those bills we have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy Share the Australian Hunting Podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting, shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love. So as usual, without further ado, let's get into my interview with today's guest. This is Rod Drew, CEO of Field and Game Australia. This is Rob Fickling from Beyond the Divide and Maroka 30. Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Tristan Reed, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast, mate. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time in uh, being able to talk to me today. Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you uh, for having me on. Absolutely, mate. I guess, tell us about yourself, you know, whether you hunt, shoot, or fish, all of the above, and how you got into it. Uh, yeah, well, I'm a, a all of the above person, hunting, fishing, shooting, and generally outdoors going person. Uh, I've been fishing for most of my life, not in a very serious way. Uh, dabbled in all forms of fishing, really, though. Uh, beach fishing off boats. Um, into trout fishing right now, not with fly, just spinning along the rivers around Oberon Way and down the Snowies. As for uh, hunting, I've been, or oh, probably since my late teens, I've been getting into it more and more. It's been a slow progression upwards, as many of these things are, although uh, I've always been lucky with a uh, I've had a uh, property access fi- family friends uh, down Griffith Way. Uh, they've then that really helped me uh, just kind of uh, really get into it, starting off on rabbits and foxes and yep. working my way up. And yeah, 
pretty much going from there. So, mate, did anyone specifically get you into it? How did you sort of get there? Parents hunted, didn't hunt? Uh, how did you sort of, how, what was that first uh, point that got you into sort of the hunting part of it? Um, my dad used to do a, a bit of shooting. I think he's like a lot of older kind of uh, parents of the kind of baby boomers who did a lot of shooting and then kind of gave it away in the late 80s and 90s. And so he, he had the skills and introduced me to rabbit shooting down uh, down Griffith Way. That's now New South Wales, Griffith. And, it, yeah, it was really um, hunting rabbits that really kind of uh, got me into it. Uh, I was pretty into it, built my own little uh, ghillie suit and went around stalking uh, rabbits uh, <laughs> when I was uh, uh, kind of younger, in my younger teens. So, yeah, it was uh, that those fond kind of experiences that really... Yeah, helped me develop. Also, I think you've had him on before, Alex uh, Proft. He's my best yep. mate and hunting partner. So yep. we've uh, helped each other kind of uh, along our hunting journey together. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Tristan's talking about Alex Proft. You've had him on my show before. Nice bloke too. Uh, uh, finally met Alex at the rally uh, last year. I think it was a Save Public Land ra- Hunting Rally. And, yeah, no, really, really good guy. I see a lot of you guys doing the videos on YouTube and uh, certainly some good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, mate, tell us what are, you know, obviously you've got friends, you've got family members. What are people's reactions, uh, you know, when you actually say you, you like to hunt and shoot, when they sort of find out you're a hunter and a shooter and a, and a fisherman? Um, I find that most people, I've never ever really had a confrontation with anyone about it. Uh, most people are kind of polite or curious. Maybe they're holding or guarding their criticisms, I don't know. But no, i found most people, at least that I know, are, generally uh, positive. Um, a lot of people seem to have the impression that it's just about shooting the animal, but I actually get more of a reaction when I when I talk about kind of uh, eating and butchering, butchering the animals. It's a thing in Australia, unfortunately, or at least New South Wales, where uh, they, a lot of people don't make that connection between eating and hunting or, you know, fishing and eating the fish. It's uh, very strange. Um, but yeah, most people are generally curious and I'm happy to tell them what it's about. Yeah, nah, good stuff, mate. What, what do you enjoy hunting? Give us like sort of, you know, you just said obviously rabbits. What do you enjoy hunting? What types of uh, species? Um, I've worked my way up. Mainly I want to kind of hunt deer now, but I, I really do enjoy uh, anything. can find pleasure just in, uh, just about any game species and they've all got their unique challenges. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't really have a, a, a big preferred species, but, uh, deer is ju- definitely, uh, something I focus on a lot. Yeah. Why, why deer in particular? What sort of keeps you coming back to sort of hunting deer? I know a lot of people like hunting deer. I know Alex likes hunting deer as well. <laughs> he, he enjoys it, but what is it about deer? You, you like eating it, you know, as well as one of your favorite meats. What, what sort of about deer that you enjoy? Yeah, it's, it's a whole all round thing. It's, uh, they're, Certain species, you know, are harder to pursue than others, a lot more remote, talking like uh, sandbar and reds. Not that I've taken either, but I've certainly been out uh, pursuing them. Um, and just a return for, uh, for your uh, shooting is quite large in terms of uh, meat, and uh, it's really satisfying, uh, that, that whole part of it, especially, you know, butchering up a whole deer carcass. Um, yeah, and just the territory and the places that it takes you from, like, uh, Alpine National Park down in Vic, Kosciuszko, the Snowies. It's just a, 
and up Oberon Way to further north is just uh, wherever you go, the wherever the deer are, it's usually just spectacular country. So it's a it's an all round package. Yeah, what about deer, mate? I know there's a lot of obviously a lot of different species. You go, you know, Samba down in Victoria, fallow up sort of this way in New South Wales, where I'm from. What's sort of what's your favourite deer species? You think? Um, well, I I do uh, value Samba for just for the awesome adventures that it kind of uh, takes you on. Um, yeah, that's my uh, goal by the end of the year to hopefully uh, get onto some Samba. I've got some trips in Vic coming up this month and the month after, so hopefully uh, this is the year that I make it happen. I've had a few cracks before and come close and certainly seen a few of the the beasts down there, but, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that it happens uh, soon. Yeah, mate. Do you, do you participate? A lot of people like a lot of different areas of the hunting, shooting, and fishing industry. You know, you got your hunters, you got your target shooters. Do you participate in any non-hunting-related shooting activities? Mm. You know, uh, pistols, clay targets, shotguns. What do you, you know, what do you enjoy? Mm. Um, actually, I didn't really mention a, a lot of what I used to do. I used to do full bore target shooting. That's how I really started my uh, kind of shooting career did that at uh, Hornsby for quite a few years, doing it uh, competitively uh, during school. Um, that, that kind of fell out. I, after doing that for a number of years, I kind of uh, gave that away, got a bit over that. But I've dabbled in a few other shooting sports. I was uh, living down in Griffith uh, last year. I was part of the uh, Griffith Pistol Club, and that was a really, uh, really enjoyable time down there got to shoot all variety of black powder pistols and uh uh yeah just a whole variety of calibers so that was a lot of fun pistol shooting's a great amount of fun yeah do you still live in griffith what sort of area you're from tristan i wasn't familiar with that before ah yeah i um i i live in sydney right now but uh i've had a, a whole bunch of random connections to uh to griffith i was living there for uh six months uh, f- for work, um, about six or seven months, and then was made redundant and came back to Sydney. So uh, I've kind of uh, got around in the last uh, few years, and now I'm uh, studying in Sydney, uh, hoping to become an outdoor guide. Um, that's the eventual aspiration. So right now I'm just working for for, for uh, sorry for a few outdoor uh, education companies and dabbling, uh, trying to get into uh, canyoning guiding up in the Blue Mountains. And that season's just about to uh, start ramping up. Uh, during winter, it's kind of closed because it's too cold in the canyon environments to go through all the cold water. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, Sounds, what I do. Sounds like lots of fun, mate. Let's talk about. I know you obviously go hunting. I know you're pretty, pretty into that sort of. You're pretty into that. So what's your go-to calibers when you're sort of hunting? Yeah, that might suit uh, the type of game you're targeting. Uh, I used to be a real kind of 308 person. Um, I don't know why that caliber is just kind of has this mystical kind of quality that a lot of people it grabs a lot of people's attention. I started with that, but now I've upgraded to a 3006, and probably that's my go-to caliber. There's just no situation I think that it really can't handle. Can do a variety of loads for it. Uh, not that I I don't hand load. Something I'd like to uh, get into, but uh, yeah, for me it just uh, gets the job done in lots of situations. 
Yeah, when you yeah, you know, we're talking about bring, like game and uh, hunting for meat before. I mean, do you bring it home to your family? What do they sort of think about your hunting? Got any brothers or sisters that all hunt? Uh, What's the general family vibe? Yeah, I have a sister. They were uh, a bit sceptical at first. Um, they're not vegetarian or anything. Um, there's a lot of parents being a little older. There's kind of a that uh, same with like uh, it's an old mentality that uh, game food in Australia it was a bit of a poverty kind of uh, food. You know, back from the Depression era. Certainly, like my my grandmother and all a lot of my older aunties and uncles are all very sceptical about about eating game meat but uh my family uh has got on board i cooked uh plenty of things for them uh you know steaks and loins and slow cooks and yeah and i find uh my mother actually just uh you know ripping into it and taking it up and uh, cutting up the various cuts and making stews and whatnot so yeah she's uh she's actually now using it as her main uh cooking when when I have it in the house. Yeah, no worries. Good stuff, mate. Getting back to you talking about the calibers, you like the uh, 3086, you said 308. Do you, do you shoot any small game? What's your, your go to calibers for any of your small game stuff you went, you know, when you're actually out hunting, you know, your foxes or your rabbits, or what do you enjoy there? Uh, well, I've always been done fox whistling, so always for a small game, just using either like a, a shotgun or a 22s. I would like to uh, indulge in buying 17 HMR or uh, a 204, but uh, probably save the money, and that's uh, very much an indulgence. But uh, I do like 22. 22 got a Bruno, Dad's old Bruno, so that's got a special place in my heart, being my uh, my rabbit gun that I've used for uh, many years now. Yeah, no, good stuff, mate. This is an interesting question. A lot of people answer it differently, but I'd like to get your perspective. If you could break it down, tell us what it means to be a hunter, shooter, and fisherman, mm. say, in Australia in this 21st century. Um, well, to me, I, I find the hunting is really about uh, connecting to the land in you know a world that seems increasingly filled with uh, distractions uh, and it's hunting it particularly gives you a very authentic experience uh, with with the land I mean if you go to uh, your supermarket to buy you know your meat everything is packaged everything's lines everything's tightly controlled and uh, quantities that you know portioned out but are going to the outdoors everything is it's a uh, very untamed uh, very yeah, untamed and just yeah it's just a it really uh brings you back it's a lot the pace is a lot slower you just take it as it all comes and it's yeah it's just a just a really great way to escape but it's not just pointless escapism there's a, a higher purpose at the end you know reconnecting with our uh, older roots and self-sufficiency yeah do you think I hear a lot of people saying, I've sort of experienced this too, I'd like to get your opinion. Now, do you think when you're out hunting, it's a lot of, it's a lot different experience? And what I mean by that is a lot of people, when they go, like you said, going up to the Blue Mountains, looking at something uh, is one way to experience something. But when you're hunting, do you find we use all of our senses? You know, when you're hunting for that deer, the smell, we're using our vision, we're moving slowly, and it's a very different experience. Do you think that's mm. so? Mm, definitely, yeah. Um, when you smell, you know, a really ruddy 
stag or catch a uh, just a waft of a smell. You, you never kind of you very rarely use a sense of smell, you know. And when all of a sudden, when something like that hits you, it you know the hairs on your back of your neck kind of uh, tingle, and you know you get that real kind of tunnel vision and focused in, and yeah, the whole the whole world kind of just uh, closes in around that singular purpose, and it's uh, yeah, it's. It's not an experience that you can really replicate. No, exactly. No, nah, good point, mate. Good point. We're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be back with Tristan Reed in just a few seconds for our segment of the Everyday Hunt. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. G'day. I'm Robert Borsak from the Shooters and Fishers Party, and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I will not be defined by the actions of one crazy individual with a gun. I will not be lectured to by animal extremists. I will not have my culture questioned by inner city latte sippers, and neither should you. The Shooters and Fishers Party will fight for our rights every single day, every single week of every single year. Find out more about our party and the upcoming New South Wales 2015 election campaign at www.sfp2015.org.au. The Sporting Shooters Association of Australia proudly presents Australia's largest event for the sports shooting industry right here in Perth. The Shot Expo, December 6 and 7. For the true enthusiast, the Shot Expo showcases the professionalism and commitment to safety of sports shooting in Australia. Safety and training demos, ethical hunting and conservation, outdoor camping and archery, it's all on show. The Shot Expo, Claremont Showground, December 6 and 7. Pay on the day or go to shotexpo.com.au for sponsors, exhibitors and online bookings. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know Jason they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park or call them on 9620 13 13. All right, Tristan, mate, what is it about, say, hunting and shooting? I know we just sort of explained what it means to be a hunter, but what, what keeps you coming back? Why, why do you always look forward to that next trip like we all do when mm. you're packing the gear? What do you enjoy about it so much? Uh, it's just the, uh, the progression is just uh, really, you know, really just uh, you know, it's, uh, something that you achieve and work on over time and you get so much reward from it, uh, you know, just starting on something simple like rabbits you're getting new skills and it's really good to refine those skills because when I started shooting rabbits it was really just doing a bit of you know laissez-faire pest control for the farmer you know just uh doing a little bit here but then when I clicked when it clicked in my head well why not you know just try cooking the rabbit how do I do that I've got to learn how to uh uh, butcher it up and I remember the farmer next door would come over and he showed me his old way he used to do rabbit trapping you know back you know in the 60s 70s he showed me his tips on how to quickly gut it out in a couple of seconds and then I was trying that myself I'm nowhere near as good as him still takes me a, you know, a lot of time to fiddle around on the rabbit to 
to uh, try to get it. But then, then those skills had transferred to something like goats, and the goats was the first kind of big four-legged animal that I got. Now, hunting goats wasn't where I was, wasn't terribly hard. There was just so many of them that you couldn't not but find them. And then taking that stalking of the goats to the deer and then taking it from like a fallow deer, which, you know, lingers around farm fridge to sandbar, which is up in the high country, and getting new gear and skills for each of those steps. That's what keeps me really coming back to, yeah. to chase the, the next big experience. Mate, couldn't have said it better. I mean, I know you talk about living in Griffith for a while. Do you, I know you moved back here to Sydney. What do you prefer? Do you prefer the, the city life versus do you, do you like the rural life, the small town life? What do you prefer? Um, it's, you know, they've both got their pros and cons. I definitely probably aim to, you know, end up in a kind of semi-rural or uh, even just a rural or remote area. Um... But I do miss, you know, there's good culture and good people in the city, um, good discussions <laughs> to be had, uh, you know, lots of friends around the place, you know, we can share. It's a lot easier to, you know, get some mates around to plan hunting trips and, you know, or, you know, just enjoy life when everyone's close by. But uh, they've definitely got the pros and cons of, uh, of each. Exactly. Good, mate. Well said. What do you enjoy about being out in the bush? You know, we all go out. It's part of the experience when you get friends and family out there. But what do you enjoy about being out in the bush and sort of the no phones, no iPads, no laptops, nothing? <laughs> yeah, it's just all of that. Uh, no <laughs> phones, no iPads, no laptops. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great. You uh, turn it all off and then, you know, there's that kind of moment where you get back into town with the reception and kind of bit of a sigh you turn it on and then messages start piling on one after the other uh, getting back to it but uh <laughs> yeah it's it's just for you know it's the holistic thing of uh getting back in touch with uh, the outdoors and then you know coming back from the bush with the rewards of meat or you know an animal is just a you know another a sweetener yeah no you're right mate there's a lot of people that hunt for a lot of different reasons you know for meat for culture, for feral animal control, and I always say on this show, people always say they hunt for meat. Well, it doesn't matter what reason it is, but we, at the end of the day, we enjoy it and we love doing it. Uh, so what do you hunt for? Meat, for culture, purely for feral animal control? So why do you hunt? Uh, for me, personally, it's, it's definitely about the meat and kind of trying to live, live a lifestyle. I'd like to take a, the lifestyle up a notch because it's one thing to come back with a with an animal for uh, with antler or uh, with the meat, but then when you have to buy, you know, all the other products to uh, to kind of get out there. So I'd like to try to make it a, a whole kind of a, a holistic lifestyle, you know, on the land somewhere eventually. Yeah. Uh, true, mate. Good stuff. I mean, do you think, I mean, a lot of people say they get a bit antsy when people say hunting's a sport. You know, do you think it's a culture, mm. purely a way of just getting food, or how would you describe it? And would you have issue with people calling it a sport? Well, it's, I, I at the risk of sounding politically correct, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if calling it a sport is a... Uh, so I want to. Hey, Tristan, it's, it's not we're, really, we're not politically correct on this show, so you can you can say whatever you want, mate. Well, calling it a sport just seems to open us up to you know easy attack um, from people that don't want to 
you know, have hunting or firearms or any any part of this uh, this lifestyle, really. So, because a sport to most people, you know, when I say sport, most people might, you know, think of tennis, football or something, you know, it conjures up that image, but it, it's kind of like a game that you play for, for you know, a minor distraction or a bit of fun. So, I suppose people who haven't thought too deeply about what hunting is or, you know, the merits of it when they say, oh, my sport is kind of shooting uh, animals or targets, um, they might say, like, I, I think to them, they think that it, we're treating it life and death and uh, firearms, you know, these scary firearms are f too flippantly. So I don't want to kind of change our language or behavior just because it doesn't please people. But um, for me personally, uh, it's more than a sport to me. I mean, a sport is just a game to me. It's my whole life revolves around, you know, trying to find the next trip. And, you know, it's certainly more involved than a sport. But I understand people when they say, like, this is my sport. I understand what they are saying. So. Yeah, no, exactly, mate. How would you explain it? Let's say someone come up to you and said, Tristan, mm. you know, I want to find out. I've never hunted before. You know, some people haven't even fished. It's quite, quite interesting. How would you make them understand? But also, on the other hand, how would you uh, get, try and get them and explain and get them into uh, either, you know, A, getting their firearms license, mm. getting into shooting, or if not, let it get them to try so they can actually try and, you know, forage for their own meat? Yeah, I'll, I'll borrow... Uh... Uh, a little phrase of, uh, I think, the paraphrase rather of a DVD that I watch, uh, Bushman Brooks. It's uh, organic, fresh, and free, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> I ask people what they value, and if they value, you know, authenticity. If they want to understand, you know, we'll, we'll look at the the kind of cage-free movement regarding chickens. Uh, people are curious about where their food comes from. And if they want to really confront reality, instead of, you know, having a feel-good marketing campaign saying this, this egg is cage-free, why don't you actually get involved? Uh, why don't you take fresh or organic-free meat and do it humanely from animals that live completely free-range existences? And, uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd, I would start by saying... Yeah, what 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 do you value, and do you value these things? And uh, I think most people, most rational people, would uh would agree, or at least uh, see the point. Yep. Do you think a lot of people say, you know, we see the Greens out there saying hunting, you know, is inhumane, or somehow feral animal control is inhumane? Uh, do you think hunting is a humane method, not only to reduce feral animal impacts on uh, Australia, but do you think it's a good humane method to get meat? Uh, absolutely. Um, I think every single study, scientific study that's done has uh, proved, and I think there was a recent one concerning uh, donkey culling or buffalo culling in the Northern Territory that kind of uh, evaluated how quickly um, animals uh, would, uh, would die after being shot from a helicopter to see is it a humane method. And I f think they found 97% of all the animals died within you know, three seconds of being uh, shot from the helicopter. I mean, if you want to compare that to, you know, a, a caged existence and then onto, onto the truck, to the abattoir and the stress, the stresses that go on the, with the animal, I mean, it's, it's simply obvious that uh, hunting is humane. One second the animal's walking and then uh, a bullet will end its life instantly. So it's uh, certainly better than the, uh, the, their method 
the Greens method as uh, poisoning, but I don't think any Green has uh, probably seen an animal dying of a uh, 1080 poisoning. And uh, yeah, so if they if they thought about it or bothered to check facts, I think that they would uh, have to support uh, shooting as a humane method for uh, for animal control and a humane method for uh, hunt uh, for get, getting meat. True, mate. A lot of people say, you know, a lot of people, yeah, there's even a lot of game restaurants popping up a lot these days, more and mm. more coming on board, especially in Sydney, serving, you know, rabbit, rabbit pies, even deer, venison, yeah. obviously. Um, do you think, I mean, especially when you go out there and you say prepare a deer, do you think getting people to accept it onto that sort of, the, the taste buds, their palate, it's important to prepare, you know, the, the meat cor- uh, correctly? And if so, what do you think, just say a few important aspects of just, you know, making it palatable to people that sort of haven't tried game meat before? Because, again, some taste can be a little bit different from your, your beef yeah. and your chicken. What do you think? Um, well, it's uh, very interesting that shows, you know, you know, you might know the show River Cottage, or if you've heard of River Have you heard of I've River heard of Cottage? It. I've heard or, of it. Yeah. You know, all these, there's a whole new wave of shows, and I was just talking about Cage Free before, about, you know, this move to authentic experiences, you know, in, in a world just full of uh, iPhones and distractions. So, you know, I, I think the movement is uh, starting, you know, across the board by itself. There's more, there's more shows in River Cottage. Um, you know, there's all types of lifestyle shows and return to roots and especially cooking shows, uh, especially, you know, the Master Chef. It's kind of made the rabbit prices go from what was it, like $6 a rabbit to $20 a rabbit. So, yeah. <laughs> um, True. Yeah, exactly, man. I agree. What give me, give me some positives and benefits of hunting and shooting? Uh, do you think have contributed to both the hunting feral animals on public land or private land? Uh, well, obviously, there's uh, localized uh, uh, pest control benefits. I mean, certainly, where was it uh, in the South Australia? The uh, very effective double S double A running uh, the uh, goat culling program. In our uh, name escapes me of the. Uh, was it the, uh, I think the Simpson Desert, I'm not entirely sure. So obviously um, I think it should be important for us not to overstate the uh, the impact of, I don't think anyone's ever claimed that, you know, uh, a bit of uh, pest control shooting from individuals is going to in of itself, you know, take care of the feral animal problem. But it's certainly part, I think, of an overall solution to uh, to uh, mitigating the damage that uh, that feral animals uh, do do. Hopefully, we can strike a a good balance between you know having a free range meat and uh, and the, uh, their presence on the rest of the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. I've always said, you know, when I hear these, and I've said this before, and people are going to, th- and they've heard me say this a million times before, but, you know, a lot of people say in the Greens and the David Shoebridges and the RSPCA and all these other mobs say that it's not, it's somehow, or the Evasive Species Council, somehow it's not not effective. Uh, but, you know, the, the people that I know yeah. are the ones removing the feral animals from public and private land. A lot of these organisations have never removed a single feral pest species from public land, yet decide they'd like to you know hassle out on hunters just trying to you know a get some meat or trying to do the right thing and actually making a significant impact and we see that with the game council about how many animals were removed from public land but uh yeah certainly i think it's you're you're right it certainly uh helps farmers and also helps you know our our native species i think that's really important 
But, yeah, uh, absolutely. Mate, we're just going to get another quick break again. We will be back in just a few seconds, so we'll be, we'll be right back. This is an ad for the Liberal Democrats. But the Liberal Democrats don't want me to talk about them. They want me to talk about you. People should control governments. Governments shouldn't control people. In fact, the Liberal Democrats think the less you hear from the government, the better. Unless you're hurting someone, governments should get out of the way and let you live the life you want. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? SSAA Sydney Branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 024653 1440 or visit SSAA For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and Hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear. All at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. All right, Tristan, mate, another interesting question. Moving on, uh, a lot of people like the interesting part about politics. I mean, obviously, hunting, shooting, I mean, even fishing now, becoming very, very political. Uh, what's your thoughts on firearms ownership in Australia at the moment? Uh, well, it's uh, very interesting that uh, a lot's uh, happening, that uh, firearm ownership is just increasing exponentially each year, participation in all shooting sports and, and hunting is uh, kind of blossoming Yet there's no kind of corresponding, you know, correspondence to uh, to gun crime being committed, and yet we have continuous, you know, attempts to push even more restrictive legislation, which flies against, you know, the the uh, weight of the evidence that firearms in of them in of themselves cause uh, crime. And there's there's a few things in particular which really uh, bothersome. I mean, overall, the uh, the firearms. <laughs> uh, legislation is a schmozzle of you know random inconsistencies, and one thing that really uh, uh, that uh, makes uh, gets me going is how law-abiding shooters are kind of used as the whipping boys for uh, for uh, policy for failed policies relating to uh, to illegal gun crime. So we have the new kind of ammo legislation law that is completely irrelevant and ineffective, and um, uh, when pro- when law-abiding firearms owners have had nothing to do with uh, any of the, the crimes being committed. And also, one thing that really pissed me off about the disbanding of the Game Council is the complete inconsistency, because most of the illegal guns are being imported from overseas. I mean, And yet, 
when it was found out at the Australia Post, do you recall the Australia Post that had imported, you know, yep. several hundred Glocks? 220, I mean, yep. Yeah, so, so uh, unfortunately, two, two, you know, volunteer people at the Game Council, you know, that doing something wrong, hunting goats, that's enough to terminate, you know, our entire, the entire framework for hunting on public land. But then you have hundreds and hundreds of Glocks being imported through the Australia Post. I mean, they don't disband Australia Post because a few there's a few rotten eggs True. importing Glocks, yet they terminated the entire, you know, game body, you know, albeit temporarily, yeah. and uh, restructured it with, uh, you know, even more restrictions on us. Yeah. And, you know, so it's, it's really disappointing I that know. we're still, still used as, you know... I know, exactly, you're right. They say, yeah. you know, they just say it's, you know, the two people did, or, sorry, two people apparently did the wrong thing over one goat. I mean, again, I'm not condoning their behaviour, that they, they did the wrong thing. Yeah. But like I've said to a lot of people, publicly and privately, I mean, let's be honest, it was one single goat. Yeah, okay, they went on people's properties, you know, and yeah. all, of, all of a they sudden... they did the wrong a, thing, get rid of them. Yeah. Why, why just, why throw out the baby with the bathwater? They didn't yeah. do that to Australia Post, who were importing, you know, Glocks. Yeah, so but uh, somehow they're with a firearm, you know, on on private land, which is fair enough. I wouldn't want someone on my land with with a firearm yeah. either. But all of a sudden they're carrying a firearm. It comes as this huge, just amazing thing over one goat, and you're right. There goes the game council. But yeah. mate, what are your thoughts? I've got a good, interesting question with, the, with with these current laws. Would you like to see anything change? Uh, are you happy with registration? I mean, a lot of people know I'm anti registration. I uh, we see in Canada doesn't have it, or just sorry, just got rid of it. We see New Zealand doesn't have it. You know, New Zealand's yep. got an array of. AR-15s and type of yep. weapons, semi-automatic shotguns, pump shotguns, etc. You know, the world, unfortunately, according to the Greens, it hasn't imploded over there in New Zealand. Would you like to see yeah. those come back, or you're completely happy with the current system and the Howard gun laws? No, I mean, obviously, the system, I think, should, uh, could be uh, changed uh, immensely. I think we have to deal with a uh, political reality, though. Certainly, some sensible things can be changed. Um, but it depends. It all depends. Uh, what's the most important thing to, um, you know, to? It, it all takes political capital. The political situation can change. It can can become more pro or more anti. So it's it's a uh, hard to say. I mean, we all know what we'd uh, we'd all like. We want common sense. We'd like suppressors, um, which uh, in the UK in countries with even more restrictions than Australia. But you know, you try to talk about even talk about having suppressors and it creates this frenzy and there'll be uh, the green saying that there'll be silent assassins running around with <laughs> suppressors it's uh, absolutely insane you know the uh so of course there are changes to make but it's about picking picking the right fights i mean with if we if we have to deal with reality i don't think we should uh focus on something maybe like semi-automatics and bringing them back because all that that does is that it helps, you know, it helps people who already understand firearms and it, it, it lets them have more fun. But what's more important, is it more important to get more toys or is it more important to try to establish a broader framework to allow people to participate more broadly? Because once we have broader public support, say, like uh, in Victoria, then it makes it a lot easier to make the common sense changes so I think it's a really about picking the worthwhile battles. Mm, yeah, no, I agree with I agree with you on half of that. I agree with you on half of that. <laughs> getting, I do agree getting the framework up and getting more people on it and more numbers uh, equals more power at the end of the day. But that's no, no, I agree with you on half of that. So <laughs> we can meet in the middle on that one. So but, what, what do you uh, what do you uh, disagree with? 
Oh, the, you know, just the part, you know, like the toys, and I've heard many people say, like, different, say it's a privilege in this country, and I, I would agree that we, you know... Well, no, I, I would like to see semi-automatics back. Uh, definitely, don't misunderstand oh, that. perfect, but all it's, right. It's, a, it's, about, it's about the political reality of um, there's only so much that um, we can affect, so true, true. it's about picking the battle. That's why, that's why I was disappointed with uh, the... Uh, the uh, whole national parks hunting uh, uh, Ordeal, kind of yeah. the, the way that, that the way that that went. It was an absolutely you know brilliant you know idea to uh, to have like a model similar to Victoria's. You know, hunting in national parks is absolutely no reason, no kind of logical reason why hunting shouldn't be permitted in national parks, and um, that would have established you know a lot of access for a lot of people, which ultimately you know leads to more hunting, more hunting meaning that there's more revenue and there's more reasons to have us uh, to, to encourage hunting. So it was really sad to see the uh, national parks, uh, you know. You're right, through. especially with Victoria as well. Victoria have just uh, developed their... Their uh, own game council, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah that, was, uh, that was just uh, really, really crazy that, uh, yeah. you know, we're told that, you know, a game council is, uh, you know, irrelevant, we don't need it, we'll go to the DPI. And then in Victoria, about three weeks after, what was it they said? Well, the DPI in Victoria, they're not effective enough, we need a secondary game body. That's so, amazing. And, and, yeah. and they can hunt in national parks. It's just, yeah. uh, it's mind-boggling, mate. I mean, tell <laughs> us, uh, do, you, do you vote for a pro-gun political party? If so, why? If not, why not? Uh, I, I do, and I say unfortunately because... I, I have to, out of necessity. I just wish it was common sense, um, but common sense doesn't appear to be very common. So we're forced to vote for a, uh, our political party. I don't mind doing that at all, and I'll vote for uh, the shooters and fishers in every election, every time. I just uh, wish that it didn't have to come to that. Yeah. Have you been? Since you just mentioned uh, who it was, have you been happy uh, with their uh, the SFP? Have you been happy with their performance in making progress in the say political arena? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, in certain aspects, yes. Uh, I I understood the intention of the national parks being rolled out. Um, you know, trying to replicate a Victoria model to allow more people to go hunting with greater ease. Um, but just the way that it was handled, it it came as a shock, complete shock to everyone and and to myself. I remember waking up one day and saying, "Oh, Yahoo! Uh, you know, uh, there's going to be hunting in national parks." But if we try to think about it from the perspective of, say, you know, someone living in Hornsby, somewhere in a city, never thought about hunting in their life, don't know that there's deer in Australia, all of a sudden they hear overnight that there's now hunting in national parks. Well, first of all, they probably don't know that there's hunting in Australia. They don't know that what game species are in Australia. And when people are told national parks without any context, I think that scared a lot of people by thinking, you know, there's going to be hunting in Karingai National Park, people were saying, people were protesting in in places in the Blue Mountains where there's not even any uh, game species to really target up there. So it was, uh, I think, the, the way in which it came about, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of the blue, perhaps wasn't, you know, the, the best way to go about it. There wasn't any real groundwork for the uh, national parks hunting, and people weren't really told which parks would be affected and whatnot. So, I mean, there's no real big public hunting culture in New South Wales, unlike in Victoria. So um, I think definitely more groundwork was needed to try to uh, 
sell it and make it more palatable to uh, people that might necessarily not know a lot about the issues. Yeah, good point, mate. To finish off that sort of one about the laws and, and, and parties, what do, you, what do you think they can do better in the future? Um, not sure. I think, yeah, it's just unfortunate the way that that whole thing went. They were treated very badly. Promises were uh, reneged on. So uh, I really think that they can just, uh, you know, keep on keep on doing what they've uh, been doing, really. Um yeah, there's there's other bodies as well. Do you, do you mind if I just talk about there's there's one there's there's two kind of big political kind yeah, of bodies. Hit me, hit there's, well, there's the, there's the Roberts and then there's the double S double A. So uh, one thing that's irked me, and I, I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, is uh, the uh, the the double S double A ad campaigns. You know, the uh, the year of the hunter uh, and yep, always yep. the hunter. You know, I think that uh, our organisations that represent us. Uh, that, that that aren't the robs, the non-political entities certainly need to lift their game, and um, and and we ourselves as uh, and and hunters how we talk to each other because there's been a few things um, that that I've seen which has really bothered me. I mean, there's there's two there's two types of people that we don't want. There's poachers and there's dickheads, and there's no one else. I, I've seen I won't say who because I know them personally from my time down in Griffith, <laughs> but I saw yeah. them quoted in a paper. By saying, you know, uh, this is to paraphrase, so this is to quote that Sydney Yahoos come down to our state forests and kind of shoot up the place. And I don't see how that's really helpful by, you know, selling out, you know, um, uh, law-abiding and legal hunters in in um, in Sydney by putting them all into one category and calling them Sydney Yahoos coming in and shooting up our forests. You know, and, and that's a person from the double S double A. I mean, I suppose it's easy for for them when they have their own property access. So, uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, I, w- I wish we'd be a little more unified in our in our approach. You know, I mean, there's there's only two people as far as I'm concerned. There's good people, and by definition, the other people are illegal, uh, dickheads, poachers, whatever you want to call them. So, we should certainly pull together rather than. Uh, pushing away. Yep, I've always said uh, that's been one of our biggest issues, you know, hunters not supporting other hunters, saying things they shouldn't be about other hunters, especially in the media. I mean, there was a lot from, there was a lot from certain people, won't mention their name because it's embarrassing for themselves, but, you know, (laughs) going on the media and saying how national park hunting is bad and this one... Yeah, I mean, it's... Mm, sorry. I'll, I'll call I'll call him a bozo because I don't want to mention his name just out of fear of retribution in regards <laughs> to you know uh, uh, you know criminal action against me. But you know uh, he was in the media a lot saying how bad it was and how long before you know people were going to start be getting shot. I mean yeah. this is this guy. But they all have their own private property, don't they? They yeah. all get onto you know the uh, it's uh, it's really frustrating when people who have it you know don't want to who fail to see the value of having public land, having a broader base, of a, a broader church of people to call upon. You know, just because you have a, a private club and good access doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to extend opportunities to other people. No. So that's, uh, that's always very frustrating to, uh, to see that, to, to see those types. Mate, you're, you're right, mate. What, uh, we've got a segment here on the show. This is always a very interesting one. It sort of you know, lightens mm-hmm. up the mood a little bit, you might say. <laughs> Uh, five questions in under a minute. So, Tristan, you reckon you can take the challenge? 
Uh, yeah, I think I'm up for it. All right, mate. After when I start asking the first question, I'll hit this start button on my stopwatch. So first <laughs> one, all right, in five words or less, describe what hunting means to you. Um, authentic, holistic, real outdoors experiences. Okay, favourite game species to hunt and why? Uh, sandbar, because they're <laughs> epic mountain-dwelling beasts yep. who are very fun to pursue. Yep, your proudest moment or experience you've ever had being a hunter. What is What was it? First time going into a state forest uh, with Alex, spotting two red hinds, coming back four years later after our experience and finding two stags. Nice. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? New Zealand, because it's the best hunting in the world. Favourite piece of hunting equipment you own, what is it and why? My backpack, uh, because it can carry, it can fold from a day pack to carrying a full deer. Mate, 49 seconds, you've just killed it. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people come in and they just they go to 1 minute 20 because they can't answer the, you know, like in the, the questions in the time frame. But it's always, a good, always good for a bit of a laugh, so you did a good job, man. <laughs> well, thank you. All right, Tristan, mate, tell us a story. You probably just mentioned one throughout that uh, five questions under a minute. But, but tell us a bit of a story, mate, you'd like to share with the audience. Uh, the audience always likes to have a good listen to an interesting hunting story, maybe a great day where you've got one of your best deer, whatever you want, mate. Share a, share a sort of bit of an in-depth uh, uh, story for our listeners, mate. Um, well, I could, share a, I could share a few. I had a somewhat... Uh it was a, well, I don't know what the word I'm looking for. It was a, a very uh, hard start to my uh, deer hunting career or a, a very, um, one that was full of uh, many uh, disappointments, but uh, some pretty exciting uh, chances. A lot of missed opportunities, but uh, just persistence uh, paid off. I remember the first time going out for four days in a forest down south. I must have seen about 40 fallow in this forest and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, just couldn't get on to any. And on the last day, I uh, was uh, standing, I was waiting on a game trail uh, in my uh, ghillie suit when I used to think that that was a good idea to uh, go around in that big bulky <laughs> thing. And I was sitting down there, uh, and it was just on dark. I looked through my scope. I couldn't quite make out. I could still see a bit, but I wanted to get back. So I stood up and... Uh, since I didn't want to stumble around the fallen kind of pines and things, I, uh, I unloaded, uh, I cycled the bolt around, kind of spat out down onto the ground. And so I put down the rifle and, uh, and I reached down and picked up the, the round that had just come out. And then I heard a, a little crack behind me. And I stood up holding one round. And then out of nowhere, a line of 10 fallow deer, <laughs> little does, or walking down the game trail that was about uh, 10 metres away from me because um, they they'd come from behind me, the opposite direction that I was hoping. So that, uh, And I, w I stood there looking. My, uh, my bolt was uh, kind of you know, open, my round was out, so I couldn't do anything because they, they were within 10 metres of me, but they couldn't see anything because it was dark and the ghillie suit was on. They walked right past me. They uh, kept going. So once they had kind of passed me or halfway through it, I went down to try to pick up the rifle, but they uh, they bolted and I couldn't uh, couldn't get onto them. So yeah, and then, and then the next just uh, several about four other odd times where I had opportunities uh, like that, and like I was glassing and I looked up and then looked down and then a deer had kind of come into 
right up close to me when I was looking through the glass, and then it uh, ran away. So just a few misses uh, before uh, getting onto my first one. It took a few years for me to do it, actually. I was pursuing it not too intently, but I've really ramped it up in the last two years and got onto success. So I suppose persistence uh, pays off. That's right, mate. If, we, if it was a sure thing, it wouldn't be called hunting, would it? No. No. <laughs> Mate, to finish off, last question. If you could impart one last piece of knowledge on our listeners you know, that you'd think would be helpful, what would it be before we finish off? Uh, um, <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I suppose all I can say, not being uh, really, honestly, if I'm being honest, uh, too seasoned or have too many uh, great, unique uh, insights that I've come to on my own, uh, just... Uh, yeah, being out there, being persistent, like um, just to add to that previous story, you know, I had days where I'd book a hunt for four days and if I didn't see anything within two days, I'd kind of just get a bit bored because I'd be by myself and come home. So kind of getting over that mentality because, you know, every time you're going, you're learning something new and, uh, yeah, you just got to get out there to, uh, to, uh, to, 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 achieve, to achieve that goal. So, yeah, it took, uh, you know, four years for us to get back onto the red deer that we saw as our, as our first uh, state forest species. So, you know, and now, you know, those lessons won't go, we won't lose that, that knowledge that we've gained. So, yeah. Perfect, mate. Thanks for coming on the show to be part of the uh, Everyday Hunter series, which is just like myself, a guy that likes to hunt. So thanks for coming on, uh, Tristan, and... Uh, just giving us a bit of your knowledge, sharing on a lot of these questions. Uh, these questions pretty much, you know, give or take, remain the same for all the people that come on my show, and it's always good to hear a different perspective. Uh, and I said I interviewed your friend Alex too, and he also done a great job. I think he was one of the first people actually to be, to be part of the show, actually. So uh, yeah. certainly thank you very much for coming and sharing your uh, wisdom, thoughts, interests, and opinion on this show. Thanks very much. No worries. Thank you for having me. You've just been educated, and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.